<laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's seasons in life when the rod of discipline is used. And then you get the, the, the father son relationship or father daughter relationship transitions and you get to a place where, you know, that stops to being the mode of discipline. Unless you fail to recognize that that season has passed. And then it could be an adult father trying to discipline an adult son or close to it. And, uh, and it would be awkward for, uh, discipline to happen too late. There's stages of how we relate. All of that really is just, uh, to tell us, I, I would tell you a story right now that would make you laugh, but I'm not going to distract us that much. It would be a lot of fun. I, maybe I'll get to it later. It would be, it would be a lot of fun. Um, but in the church, when, uh, when God, in, when, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he said in Mark chapter two, verse 22, he said they were talking about how they used to fast with, you know, he said, John's disciples fast all the time. How come your disciples don't fast? And there was a season that was changing. And when that season was changing, he was saying how we relate changes given whatever it is that God's doing in any season. And so what he quoted in Mark 2.22, what he said, what we quote, is that you never put new wine into what? Old wineskins. See, you guys know your Bible. You never put new wine into old wineskins. Either you know your Bible or you guys make a lot of wine. I don't know which it is. Um, <clears throat> but here's the thing, is that every time that a season is changing, we, we have to be careful to watch the container in which what God is doing and make sure that we're adjusting the container to fit the way we relate. And one of the things that the church board has recognized recently is so much has transitioned in the last uh, six, seven years of this church. So much has transitioned, but what we have in transition is the structure, the organizational structure of our church, how we organize, and that it's time to look at that and time to think about how we do it because we're living on a structure that was built for a season that is historical at this point, and now we have to relook at uh, how we would organize to best suit what's going on in our church today. There's all sorts of awesome stuff going on at church, and we want to function efficiently and help that work. So, well, all of that is to lead us to a place where what we're going to do, the place we're going to start with that is we're going to have a Bible study all throughout the summer that's going to look in the scriptures about how we solve, how we see the, the basic principles of how the church was organized in the New Testament, and then we'll take those principles and see how they apply here and now in our day and age Best. And so if you have in your bulletin, you were handed um, a sheet of paper, it says Leadership Bible Study on the top. It has the Park Ford Church letterhead and says Leadership Bible Study. I would urge you to look at that. And if you would be interested in being a part of that Bible study where we study uh, what it, how the church, the early church organized itself throughout the summer, we will be having different people come in and teach, um, uh, uh, people who uh, have Season, who, ha, who have been seasoned in the church and walked through different processes and studied the scriptures to help churches understand how to organize. And then there will be those of us who are, are on leadership here at Parker Ford also leading that Bible study. Please feel free to attach yourself to that and join us as we discover how we'll organize moving forward. All right. At this time, we're going to transition. Today is a special day. It's a really special day. I'm excited about it. Today is the ordination of Joshua Hostetter. And um, 
this is, this is really cool for a bunch of different reasons. For me personally, this is cool because I've been his district mentor for a long time, and so I can check something off my list and I don't have to do anything. No. Yeah. Um, I'm just, you know, long before um, Josh, uh, before this day, long before Josh came and uh, came on staff at Parker Ford, he and I met. And uh, I was started uh, being a district mentor for him, and I was really young in ministry myself, and uh, a- and we had no idea that we were. It's a cool morning, isn't it? It's a really neat family family day as a church together when we ordain someone, and it's cool to have a family day on a Father's Day. It's really neat. So uh, I, I we only have a few minutes because we knew it was going to be a full service, and it was only a few minutes. So we just I, I just prepared. Uh, a, um, a small reflection on one verse, and um, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 4.15. 1 Corinthians 4.15, Paul is in the process of talking about his ministry with the Corinthians. If you were here a couple of years ago, um, you know, we went through a gigantic series on uh, 1 Corinthians, and so we touched on this verse back then, um, but uh, I just want to take a little time to reflect on it then. 1 Corinthians 4.15. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It's a really important verse here. It says that he became the father in Christ Jesus. Very important phrase. He wasn't a father outside of Christ Jesus, only inside of Christ Jesus. And he became their father through the gospel, not by anything else, but only through the gospel. There's this contrast that's set up here between the guide and the father. There's many, many guides in the gospel. There can be many guides on our Christian journey, but there are not many fathers. Is a guide a good thing? A guide's a really good thing, isn't it? I mean, I I really appreciate my GPS, you know. And uh, and every time that I make a bad turn, the, G, the the GPS just says, you know, something like adjusting or reconfiguring or whatever, you know, recalibrating. I forget, whatever. And recalculating. Yeah. All right. I'll get you there from here. I know where you want to go, and I'll get you there from here. That's a guide. A guide is helping us get somewhere. This word, this Greek word here, guide, what it actually uh, reflects is it can be used for a number of different uh, roles played in that society. One is the role of a babysitter or a nanny, okay, someone who's helping out. It's not the authority figure or the family figure, but one who's kind of helping a child get from here to there and make sure they don't hurt themselves. They're guiding them, but they're not taking authority in their life. The other is a teacher. Okay, so it can be used of a teacher, a teacher who's instructing, who's giving information to help us understand and learn, but again, not taking authority in our lives, only giving the information. Okay, so it's not a family relationship, and it's not an authoritative relationship. It's only one that gives information and helps us go where it is that we're trying to go. Contrast that, of course, with a father who says, I know where you need to go. (laughs) <laughs> you know, who says, I know what you need to not do. And my job is, is not just to get you somewhere. My job is to help you be someone. That's what it is. It's to help develop character. 
That's what a father's really called to do, is to help develop character. And even before that, a father is one who brings life to someone, a progenitor. You know, this is a, a father is actually one who produces, that, that we all, good or bad, have had a father. You know, we are only here because we had a father. And before there was even a mother, there was a father. You know, it starts, it comes from dad to mom, we come here to this world. And it starts with the seed of dad. And that's why it talks about Adam as, uh, there's there's Adam as this first father and then Christ is the second Adam. You know, and and there's the sense of fathering and where Abraham is the father of a nation. You know, the beginning, the starting point. And what we're told, there's this really interesting passage where Jesus talks about fathering in Matthew chapter 23, verses 8 to 12. And you can look at it if you like. Matthew chapter 23, 8 to 12. Turn there with me. If you have your scriptures, I would appreciate you turning there. It's important to hear Jesus actually say this stuff. Matthew 23, 8 to 12. But you are not to be called rabbi. For you have one teacher. You are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth. For you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors. For you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. He says there's one father. Don't call anybody teacher. Don't call anybody instructor. Don't call anybody rabbi. Don't call anybody father. Because there's one father. That's it. Me. The Father in heaven. Father in heaven. That's it. And see, this is, this is a really, really important point for us. Because we realize that there's this moment where Jesus stands in front of Pilate. And Pilate says, don't you understand that I have the authority to take your life or to give it to you? And what does Jesus say in response? He's like, come on, Pilate, that's a joke. And you know it, and I know it. You know that no authority here on earth, you got, there's no authority except that which is given by my Father in heaven. There's only one Father. In other words, all life, everything that lives and breathes, everything that moves, everything that thrives, everything that can think, everything that can take oxygen in and put it back out, everything that moves and grows, all of it has its origin in one place. God, the Father. There's a reason why when we go to pray to God and Jesus teaches us how to pray, he starts it with these two little words. What are they? Our Father. There's a reason why he uses that term. You see, for us to understand how it works with God, we don't get God, we don't understand God, and we never will this side of heaven, and I'm not sure how much we'll understand him On the other side, I don't even know when we get there. You know, he's so mysterious, I think we'll spend the rest of eternity still diving into the depths of who God is. And every day will be a new treasure hunt because he's so deep, it just keeps going. But in our finite human minds, when Jesus wants us to understand our relationship with God, the best picture he can give us in prayer 
is these two words, our father. You know, some of us had terrible dads. Some of us had great dads. You know, if you've not had a great dad, picture what an awesome dad would look like. And if you did have a great dad, picture your dad and then some. And think about that relationship and what all the dad brings to the table, the father brings to the table. And what Jesus is saying is that everything that we could have, the shelter that we can find, the authority that we are given, the life that is birthed in us, the provision that was brought to us, all of it starts with God. That's it. It all starts with God. And that there is none other. And Jesus says, don't call anyone else father. And it's this crazy moment because, you know, obviously there's hyperbole in there. I mean, obviously Jesus is making a point. He also tells us we can't follow him unless we hate our father and mother. And he's not saying we need to hate our father and mother. He's saying compared to our relationship with him, our relationship with our father and mother should look like hatred. That's hyperbole. It's a contrast. And in the same way, he's like, don't call anyone else father until you get it through your head that everything starts with God. Everything starts with him. Last week we had this awesome worship Sunday here. It was so much fun, worship Sunday. And what we said last Sunday is that the reason we do worship Sunday is because we have to, we have to hit the reset button every now and then and remind ourselves that the basics of our relationship with God, we first come to him not as an advisor, not as a counselor, not even first as a savior. We first come to him as God. That before he's anything else to us, he's God to us. And when Jesus tells us how to pray to that God, the first term that he uses is Father. Because that's where we come from, and that's who provides for us. That's who protects us. That's where all our inheritance comes from. That's everything comes from Dad. Comes from Dad. And so what we're going to do here, right now, on this Father's Day, is we're going to give thanks to Dad. We're going to give thanks to our Father. And so we just need to call time out in church on Father's Day and honor the Father. Before we honor any other father, before we honor any anything else, we stop and honor the Father. So the way we're going to do this is I'm going to ask you to pray with me the first few lines of the Our Father, <laughs> of the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to say them slowly, okay? Just the first couple lines. And I want you to meditate as we say this on what those words mean. So just follow me in this thing. We're going to go real slow. Okay, close your eyes. Join me in prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, Father. Thank you for being our Father. For those who have been the fatherless, you say you are the Father to the fatherless. For those who have had great dads, well, it pales in comparison to who you are. And so all of us together, your church, your kids, your children right here, we stand together today. We say on this Father's Day, we honor you. You are the Father, the God and Father of all. And we give you honor and praise. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, of course, even though he tells us that we're not supposed to call anybody else Father, he also tells us to honor our father and mother. 
<laughs> and so uh, he, he very much talks about our fathers. And he talks, of course, that we, and Paul right here in the scripture that we're meditating on today calls himself a father. And so, you know, this is the thing of the scriptures where we understand the figures of speech and how it works. But what he's also saying is that he's not only the father, he's also the provider of fathers. He gives us fathers, physical fathers and spiritual fathers. And uh, again, some of us haven't had a great experience with physical fathers. Some of us have had great experience. Same with the spiritual world. Some of us have had people who have fathered us spiritually really well. And we've had mentors in our lives who have really engaged us and helped birth us into the church and, and walked us through the gospel and all. And some of us haven't had much of that. What I'd like us to do actually is two things right now. I'd like to think about those people who have been good fathering figures to us whether that's familial ones or whether that's spiritual ones. And I'd like us to thank God for them as well. And I'd like to honor them by thanking God for them because he's the one, he's the giver of the fathers. And I'd also like us to do this. If you don't have someone who's poured into you as a spiritual father, if you've never had that, then I would ask you right now to pray. I don't, I don't care how, how old you are because I see a few gray hairs in this auditorium right now. I don't care how old you are. If you would desire someone to still spiritually father you, ask God to provide a father. Ask him for it. And if you know someone who you would like to learn from and receive from, talk to them about it. And ask them to be a fathering figure in your life. To help guide you. To help lead you. And then we're going to pray and we're going to thank God for those who have been fathers. So join me in prayer. God, right now, we recognize that there, there, Paul says, there are many, many guides. There's all sorts of people who have taught us. There's been helpful people who have instructed us. But there's few people who have really served as authoritative fathers who have stood in our life and have really helped just say, you know, develop our character, see us, lead us, protect us, guide us, and all of that. And for some of us, we can look back and see people in our lives who have served those roles. For all of us, God, we can acknowledge the fact that there have been church fathers who you have put in place. There are these people who have written the scriptures, people who have led in the church, that have led to the movements that have birthed for us the gospel into our life. And so for all of them, God, we say, not only are you father and we honor you as father, we're also aware that you're the provider of fathers. And so what an awesome idea that was, was to take your leadership and to decentralize it and make fathers all over the place and to begin to use other men as uh, people to dispense your gospel with your authority. We thank you and praise you, God, for providing leaders in our life who have, who have done that and who have been that for us. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, Christian leadership, especially inside the church, is so different than leadership anywhere else. You know that. Um, and particularly what we look for in leaders. You know, when you want to have a great company, you're looking for someone who's really smart, someone who might be charismatic, certainly someone who can get stuff done, you know, someone who has the ability to know people and motivate people and, and has just wisdom about how to run an organization. When it comes to leadership in the church, none of the requirements of leadership in the church have to do with that stuff primarily. That's not what it's about. When you look at Timothy and the instructions in Timothy, when you look at Titus, when you look at the different places where God talks about what it requires to be a leader in the church, there's a knowledge of the word of God. Very important. Inside that knowledge of word of God, there has to be character that reveals that the word of God has been the foundation for how I live my life. 
So not only do I know the word of God, but I also have to shape my life around the word of God. And this is why. Because in the, in, in, in the Christian world, there's only one father. And all others who are quote-unquote fathers, their job is to help us be connected to the father, the one true father. So if you have a, a charismatic leader, if you have lots of strength and wisdom, Paul says, man, I used to be a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I had this going. I was trained under meal. I had all this stuff going for me. And he says, I count it all. What, what's the word? Loss. Loss. Well, you know what that is? You know why it's loss? He doesn't say, I count it null and void. He's not saying, I count it as nothing. He's saying, I count it as loss. Why would it be a loss? Why is it a negative instead of just flat? Because people might attach themselves to Paul instead of to Jesus. And the whole point is he's trying to get them to attach to Jesus. Remember when he's talking right here in Corinthians, he's saying some go after Apollos, some go after Paul, some, you know, and he's like, but it's all about Jesus. And so in Christian leadership, the whole point is not to be a strong, powerful, wise leader. The whole point is to know the word of God, to shape our lives around it, to say there is a heritage here. There is a family that we're a part of. And God, dad, is still alive and well. And we can all find ourselves connected to dad. And so the only way that we run the family here is to make sure that dad's still in charge. And so when it comes to ordaining someone the whole uh, point of ordaining a person, of, of uh, saying this is a person who we believe is ready for leadership, who we're calling the leadership, what we're looking for is not the skills that a person carries, the experiences they've had. What we're looking for is what the scriptures say. This person knows the word of God and submits to the word of God. And that means that they recognize he is father and they're going to help us make sure that he remains father here. Amen? That's an awesome thing to look for when it comes to Christian leadership. That's why when we have the ordination service, when Joshua was down here kneeling on his knees, when he got up and he was hugging us all and we were praying, I said one thing to him. You know what it was? That was a good workout, wasn't it? That's what I said to him. Because when you're sitting here on your knees and everybody has their hands on you and you're on your knees, it hurts. Honestly, by the end of the prayer time, your back, your lower back spazzing and twitching. I watched Josh's legs starting to wiggle a little bit while he was down there. And you know, you know why, you know why that's a really good thing? Because at the beginning of our ordination, the muscles we have to work on are the ones that are on our knees. Ordination starts with a good core workout on your knees where you have to learn to be on your face before God so that he can lead his church. And that's why in ordination, we're not pulling the chair over and making this easy for you. Get on your knees and learn the weight of people bearing down on you. And you get on your knees and you have to hold on on your knees because the only thing you have is Father God to lead this place. That's it. That's all you're left with. And that's all you're supposed to be left with. Spiritual fathers are spiritual fathers because they're spiritual sons. The best king of Israel prior to Jesus was King David. And he learned how to be a king by learning how to submit to a crazy king. And when no one else would be a good father, especially his good father and his father-in-law, he learned that God was his dad. And then when he became king, he didn't need everyone else to, to pat him on the back and tell him he was doing a good job. All he needed to do was honor his dad, and his dad would take care of him. That's what made him a good king. 
All right, so God is the only father. God is the provider of fathers. And here's the third thing. God is also the provider for fathers. He not only provides us with fathers, but he also provides what the fathers need in order to do their job. And this is the thing, you know. Um, fathering. <laughs> fathering is a very, very difficult job. I don't know many jobs in this world that are more difficult than fathering, which is why, in general, it is the most neglected job in our world today. Many sociologists and uh, anthropologists and those philosophers and those who study society, when they look to see what the problems are for the pandemic of moral collapse and, and, and all of the problems that we see in our society today, many of them come out with one single problem as the foundation of all the other problems, and that problem is fatherlessness. That there are many, many men all across society who, who are not doing their job at leading their family appropriately. And it's a very difficult job. It's a brutal job, which is, it's no wonder why a lot of guys just bail on it, you know? But listen, God never asked us to do that job alone. Any of our jobs, mothering is a, oh, what a mother has to carry in her heart. We talked about that at Mother's Day, so I'm not going to go back there right now. But, but what a mother has to carry in her heart is brutal. And what a dad has to carry on his shoulders is brutal. And fathering is a really difficult job. But no matter where you are right now, and no matter how difficult that is, know this, God will give you absolutely everything in heaven's bank account to help you do your job. There is not a job on earth that he cares about more. He desperately, desperately wants people to do the job that he has called them to do. And he wants men to step up and father. And he will levy all of his resources to make it happen. But we have to get on our knees. And we have to depend on him. And it's a beautiful thing to watch God bless a dad so that he can be a dad. You know? And again, for those of us who haven't had that, God will be your father. And there is no better father. Don't bemoan it. Don't begrudge it. Don't self-pity. Latch on to God and he will give you everything you need. And Father, no matter what has happened in the past or what's happened with your kids, let it go. Forget what is behind. Press forward to what is ahead. Hang on to Jesus. And right here, right now, he will do the miraculous for you. He'll move mountains for you. Pray for your kids and pray that he will give you the power and the wisdom to lead. And don't just pray about it for your family. You are called to be a spiritual father. Find those around you who you can potentially invest into and ask God how you can do it. And he will give you the strength and he will give you the authority. There's not a person in this room who doesn't have a call to invest in people beyond them. So our last prayer right here, our last prayer is to thank God not only that he's father and not only that he provides fathers, but we're going to thank him that he provides for fathering. He's the provider for the father. And that's what we're going to pray for. And we're going to all ask that he would provide for us as we take our role in leadership in other people's lives. Okay? That's what we're going to pray for. This is a, a, prayer, a prayer slash praise at the end. Okay? It's both intercession and praise.